Welcome to episode six of the Worship is Life podcast, where worship equals relationship and relationship is the purpose of life. Today we're talking about worship is life in the world of sports. I'm your producer, Taylor Marshall, and today's guest is John Buck, and here is your host, Todd Marshall. Thank you, Taylor, and welcome, my friend John. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well, Todd. I appreciate uh, you, and I appreciate you, the work that you're doing, and thank you for having me. Yeah, we're so uh, thrilled to have you on today's yeah, podcast. Um, not only are you one of my best friends, but this conversation is, um, I think, one of the most commonly experienced dynamics that is not talked about enough, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this mm-hmm. world of sports and the impact it has on our lives and on our relationships and on our perspective of life. So super excited to have the, the conversation. Um, as always, uh, we're prioritizing relationship and we just want to let the listeners listen in and, and hear about our relationship um, your relationship with Taylor, we go back a long, long ways and probably you probably remember a lot better the early days than I do. So what, what do you remember going, going back to the beginning of our relationship? Well, I know, you know, at Redeeming Love, when you were the worship pastor and, um, kind of the creative arts pastor, um, I just remember um, appreciating you and your wife and just the way you carried yourself and the things that you did. Um, And I just was attracted to, I think we both found out that we liked golf and I think we um, met through that, but also it may have been actually the softball team Mm -hmm. where we put that together and then we were playing softball together. I think that might have been the first time even before we played golf. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so yeah, so speaking of, of of your involvement back with the church there, I mean, you were in the choir, um, you were in our Easter production, um, mm-hmm. yeah, and then we just uh, really connected through sports and athletics as that has been a big part of our journey as individuals growing up. Um, and so, yeah, so we just had that in common and we've had lots of conversations and a lot of that is going to bleed over into this conversation, uh, today. And so through all these decades, man, it's been, oh my goodness. Yeah. Over, (laughs) over, over three decades of uh, friendship and even in living in different States. And even when I was living in Wisconsin, we would have you guys come over and, and you would join us in some golf tournaments, and we've did fellowship of Christian athlete golf tournaments and nationals, and, and yeah. then having you out to New York um, and just maintaining the friendship, and now with us being back in Minnesota and and being able to hang out and see each other on a regular basis. Um, yeah, I've just appreciated a lot the friendship over the years and the supporting of each other and the encouragement of each other. Um, mm-hmm. Now, uh, we had moved to Wisconsin before Taylor was born. Um, and yet through the years, you've, uh, you just had some great connection with Taylor. What, uh, what, what do you think of when you think of your relationship with Taylor? Um, you know, I was just, I was amazed at, um, how God's hand was upon him from an early age. It was just so evident that, Mm. um, you could see 
him working in his life. And I've always been appreciative of his spirit of just, uh, just a joyful heart and also just a creative heart. And you could also see the intensity and willingness of him to work at things to get um, the most of his potential. Hmm. And that was always one of the things that, for me, getting ahead a little bit as a teacher, that I always tried to get kids to go as deep as possible to find out how much there really is inside them in every area of their mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've seen in Taylor that he, I think he um, goes deep with the Lord and that he really wants to, to please him. And I've always mm. been amazed at the the gifts that he's been given, but also how he's used them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Taylor, what are your memories of memories? That sounds too old, but <laughs> yeah. What do you think of when you think of your relationship with John? Well, uh, I think of a lot of golf, um, probably. Well, yeah, uh, you know, dad, you and I have golfed countless times together. Uh, and John's probably one of the most consistent threesomes that we've done, Hmm. um, which is kind of fun. And yeah, I just think of John being an amazing golfer and (laughs) always beating us. And I also think of, uh, of you having the small, the really small golf bag for like a par three (laughs) that I thought was the coolest thing and always wanted one and never got one just to like have a small lightweight bag to carry around was like one of those things that I was just like, so excited about it's kind of a random detail but i think about that and i think about um john how is always like just inspiring to be around you and um just kind of like a peace and a stillness uh that i was always like like inspired by like it would catch me off guard a little bit in like maybe not being overly frustrated at a part of your golf game or just in communication with each other and um that's always like it would it would like ca- grab my attention in an inspiring way. And so that's always something I've looked up to you about, um, and has even been helpful for me in life, which is, which is awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. And we're to talk about that journey. Cause it wasn't always like that. Was it John? <laughs> uh, no, it was not. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah. So tell our listeners, John, just a little bit about your family. Well, I grew up in, um, Lakeville, Minnesota when it was actually a small town. Um, I have a brother actually who said he remembers driving in the car. Um, this is before 35W, um, was on highway 65 driving into Lakeville. And he remembers seeing the sign that said Lakeville population 165. Oh my goodness. So we were one of the first families, I guess, in Lakeville. Um, but I grew up, uh, I'm the youngest of 11 children. Um, I have seven brothers, uh, one who has passed at this point, um, but I still have six brothers and three sisters um, alive. And our acreage, we had six six acres of land and we had um, ball fields galore and sports things going on all the time in the backyard. Mm -hmm. Um, We had our own baseball field. We had our own basketball court. We played football in the backyard. We I hit golf balls in the backyard, um, uh, up into, up into the woods and the weeds, that kind of thing. And, um, just, it was a constant, uh, at our house that some kind of a game was going on in the backyard Mm, or something was going on with my older brothers. They were either pitching me balls or I was pitching them balls or 
we were hitting balls or we were shooting baskets or we were playing football. So it was uh, um, just major, major part of our life uh, growing up. And my father was um, a very good athlete, um, also um, was a tremendous coach. So mm. I think I have uh, could attribute some of my coaching um, techniques and, you know, learn some things from him about coaching, but um, also just a tremendous passion uh, for sports uh, was brought to me at an early age. Yeah. Yeah, and fast forward to your wife and kids and grandkids. Yeah, I, um, you know, my my journey, um, I don't know if it's, this is appropriate, but I just say my, my sports journey um, was just a, a time of almost, I would almost classify it as torment for me because I was so, um, so competitive and so drawn up, drawn into the, the winning and losing part. And my mm. identity was totally in, you know, approval of either my dad or other people or, mm-hmm. um, wanting to win at all costs kind of. And, and I also had a extremely bad temper and, um, was one that, um, wasn't walking with the Lord through high school and through my athletic times. And so I had a really foul mouth and I had issues with lots of different things. Um, and so it was a, it was a real struggle all the way through actually my college days with, um, athletics and just having, it had way too big of a priority and way too big of a, took up most of my time and thought processes. And, um, so it was a, it was a difficult, difficult time for me. And, uh, as I reflect on it, it's, it's difficult sometimes to, to talk about and it's difficult sometimes to understand how I got there because mm. I, I really don't know. Mm. how how I got there or why, but now I do that, you know, I was pursuing things that I thought would uh, satisfy me, and yet I never found it. You know, even if I won a trophy or won a first place or won a championship or did, you know, it was always, okay, well, now what's next? So, yep. yeah. Yeah, and it was in that, and so it was at college. Was it at college where you met your wife, Allison? Yes. Um, so... That was a time, again, when I was not pursuing the Lord, and my wife uh, was uh, was a Catholic and a strong Catholic, and, you know, so we met, and, you know, we had a decent relationship, but um, that journey was another one that was, you know, before the Lord uh, stepped in, um, it was just an up-and-down not a very good relationship, that mm. kind of thing. And I, and it was mostly because of me, because I was more self-centered and mm-hmm. more consumed with other things rather than a relationship. So, so the real, um, the real turning point, um, I think I've told you this, but was when I got my job in Forest Lake, um, as a math teacher, um, that was a miraculous story in itself. Um, and that I knew God's hand was, as I look back, was involved because my wife was working in Rochester and I had two interviews um, back to back. And I had gone to an interview in a small town called Byron, which is near Rochester. And basically the guy 
when I walked in the room, offered me the job um, with not much of an interview, and I was kind of taken off guard. And I had told him that I I had another interview in in tomorrow, and that, that I wanted to go to. And that um, and so anyway, I went to Forest Lake, and uh, <laughs> the principal <laughs> I walk in, and he didn't even remember where I was from because he said, "Hey, how was your drive down from Duluth?" And I was like, "Well." I actually came from Winona, but uh, <laughs> opposite so, direction. So it was the opposite direction. So I thought, well, this guy, this isn't going to be a good interview. And I thought the interview went terrible. Um, I thought, well, at least I have that job opportunity in Byron. And no kidding, uh, it was eleven o'clock at night. I was in bed. Phone rings, and um, he says to me, uh, "Hey, this is Duke Millington from Forest Lake." And um, <laughs> wow. 11 o'clock, and he w- woke me up and said, that we want to offer you the job here oh, in man. Forest Lake. So anyway, it was just a lot of crazy circumstances. And like this could only be God as I look back on it. Hmm. And then when I went to Forest Lake, the first uh, first day I was there, the principal comes up to me and says, hey, think you can coach football and I'm like well I've, I have never coached football but I, I played it so I suppose I can so he made me the head coach of seventh grade boys and long story short my friend Paul then was assigned to be my assistant and Paul was on fire for the Lord and um, mm. was uh, instrumental in um, getting me back to serving the Lord and having a relationship with him and my life uh turn for the better after that day and it's uh, as I look back it was a pretty miraculous um, time in my life mm. in the beginning of my coaching career there yeah that's awesome yeah the mystery of the journey of our lives yeah is, I mean uh, it's yeah, yeah. I, I mean my relationship with my wife um, I think you know would not have been the same if I had gone to Byron and Hmm. You know, who knows? And we, yeah. we talk about those kinds of things that, um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of the mystery of the journey of life. So now you have two beautiful daughters and how many grandkids? Uh, we have four now. Um, I have, wow. um, you know, uh, three grand or two grandsons and two granddaughters. Hmm. Um, so we've got a, a perfect, <laughs> perfect number and just a tremendous blessing of, um, you know, being a part of that has been, um, yeah, it's un- it's hard to describe. It's yeah. just beautiful. So awesome. something to look forward to, brother. Yeah, we're joining the ranks. Our, yes. uh, our little one is percolating in the tummy right now. A couple more months. Yeah. Pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can, uh, I can absolutely relate to those early days of growing up in a family that put so much value on sports. Um, now I did grow up in a, a Christian family, um, and yet the value that was put on sports still took me down a path to um, having so much of identity. Now I'm not I'm not near the athlete you are, but still the the I think it's fascinating that no matter what level of ability you are, those identity dynamics are largely the same. Um, yes. And um, yeah, what do you, what when you when you look back at where you were for so many years, um, and we'll talk more specifically about 
the change and the growth and the revelation that, that came with identity. Um, but just talk about for a moment of, of what feeds that, what, what feeds that, um, whether you're aware of God or not aware of God, what, what feeds those perspectives and desires that comes out of that, that atmosphere of sports and that competitive, uh, drive? Well, I think, you know, the, for men, I think specifically, um, we struggle greatly with pride and I think in athletics, it's the peak of, of pride, you know, the way, the way people talk and the way they, you know, toot their own horns, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I think it's gotten worse over, over time, but just, I, it's a fleshly thing where we're looking for that approval of those that we love perhaps, or those that we play against or those that mm-hmm. we play with, mm-hmm. you know, we crave that pat on the back or that, man, you're a good player. Mm-hmm. Or, wow. You're amazing. Or, you know, and then it's like, you can't get enough of it. So it becomes yep. like a drug, yeah, a drug absolutely. almost where you're just like, I, you know, I need that, you know? Um, yeah, it is a drug and, really. If you think about, if you think about it, it's, it's impacting the chemicals in our body, <laughs> you know, those hormones in our body, it yeah. really, it really is a drug. Yeah. And it's, uh, something that is insatiable. I mean, you just like can't get enough of it. And then for me, I mean, literally, you know, there were times in my life I would go from sunrise to sunset and be on the golf course or I'd be doing something sports related. I mean, literally all day long. So, I mean, I had times in the winter where, you know, I would go to school I would go to basketball practice after school and then I would go to my hockey practice because I played hockey up wow. through ninth grade as well. Wow. So, and then in the summertime, it was like, oh, I might golf all day from 6 a.m. till 4 in the afternoon and then get something to eat and then get ready for the baseball game in the evening. You mm. know? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so every season there was something going on. Yeah. We, we could go all day long, you know, and then. You know, I always share a story with my golfers of, and I used to set my alarm clock for 4 a.m. And in when we were in the midst of our longest days, and I would, we would run down to the the private golf course and sneak on, you know, at four as soon as it was first light, and we would play until we heard the Cushman carts chasing us off the golf course. Wow! So I mean, there were so many things that I would do, you know, and I would get out of bed for and. You know, and and just it was just like, just like worship should be toward my Lord. Mm. But I mean, I was mm. just totally, totally committed to yeah. trying to become as good as I possibly could. And why? I'm not sure. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, those same dynamics are there in in every area of life. Um, but there's, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's because our bent you and I is towards the world of sports. Um, but it just seems like there's a magnification of it in, in that realm, I I guess, because so many, so much affirmation, you see so much affirmation and accolades happening in those 
who are gifted and talented and are winning. Um, and so it just becomes one of those areas of, of, yes, I want that. And then, and then if you have any giftings in that area, um, that can bring that about to fruition, then there just becomes this chasing, this chasing of it, like you said, is insatiable. Um, it's, yeah. Yeah. And it's absolutely connected to, to pride, just like anything else. I mean, that is our battle, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. laying down self, um, yeah, laying down self. So, so, so going through, looking back in those, you know, in that time that, that you were really starting to opening yourself up to relationship with, with God, what was the, what was the process, the journey, even how much time or some specific incidences that caused you to see and realize um, the truth of, of what was happening um, when you yeah. were starting to to weigh relationship with God and what that meant to how you had lived your whole life. Yeah, I think, you know, I did receive the Lord into my heart. I prayed, prayed a prayer when I was 12 or 13 years old. I don't remember exactly when that was, but we were a church-going family and but there was a lot of um, unfortunate dysfunction in my family and a lot of uh, things that went on. And so my parents, my mom especially, was a prayer warrior and someone who you know, pleaded the word over us and prayed over us all the time and had these amazing prayer journals. So I, you know, I don't want to make it sound like I was you know, raised in something, you know, and that was the reason why I didn't follow the Lord. But um, you know, I rebelled. I was someone that, you know, kind of was doing my own thing and mm-hmm. was kind of afraid to make that commitment to the Lord. And so, so that became a, a difficult, um, difficult journey. But it was amazing how when I um, rededicated my life to the Lord and was filled with the Holy Spirit that um, it was immediate as, that I saw a change in my attitude when I was playing hmm. things, um, not that I wasn't competitive and playing hard and, you know, and doing the best I can. Um, but I just, the winning and losing part got a little, um, less, but it was still, um, a burn inside of me, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still had to, to push that back at times, um, because I always expected to win, you know, and that was something that was really hard to curtail that competitive competitiveness mm-hmm. which to me was a fleshly thing but the lord um like the language um it was immediately just like taken away and there was more of a like as it, the spirit says you know he fills us with love joy peace and mm. um the main one for me was that self-control because i did not have that mm. and, um and so um that was the biggest thing, I think, and then, and then the Lord pushed me more away from competing myself to that coaching avenue, which became um, just a tremendous opportunity to share how God had changed me, and then to be able to use my failures and my faults and the things that I did wrong with athletics to be able to share those with kids. And it was very powerful. Mm. 
Yeah, you use the word competitive, of course, a very common word and a very um, and a very favorable word in culture. It's like being competitive is looked upon as being a positive, whether no matter what area of, of life, you know, it, it's looked at as being a positive. Um, and so, but, and, and I was labeled for decades as being a competitive person, um, yeah. you know, and as I've studied, you know, what it looks like to live this holistic uh, life of worship, this life of relationship with God and, and, and focusing on relationships and not what pleases me, I've kind of, when we talk about identity, I, I basically define competitiveness as finding your identity in winning. Mm. You know, being competitive really is finding your identity in winning. So yes, it's connected to the idea of a, of a desire and a drive, but it's also connected to that idea um, uh, of being the best, of being the victor. So yes. how, so how, how have you learned to navigate that tension? And even when you're, even when you're communicating to your athletes of navigating the healthy side of, of doing your best, giving your all that drive, um, and yet not looking for that fulfillment and that, um, identity in the winning, which is so driven in our culture. Yeah. And that's, as you had said before, that's a great mystery to, you know, because you really have to have (laughs) some competitiveness and some drive to be successful. And obviously you all want to be successful when you're competing. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, Um, I just, you know, have learned that if I don't give what I'm doing or if I have not prepared my spirit appropriately, Mm. whether I'm playing, competing or coaching, Mm. I can easily fall back into that trap of, and so I think it's a, it's a state of preparedness is what I want to say is that, Mm -hmm. When I have um, perfect preparation, it leads me to peace. And then when I have lack of prep, it leads to, you know, anxiety, anger, um, different things like that. So it's a constant battle still. Yeah. Um, that I have not completely overcome because mm-hmm. there's times when I. Uh, trip up in while I'm coaching or while I'm still playing golf. You know, there's times I can get frustrated or, you know, uh, so it's, it's silly, but at the same time, I think it goes back to heart preparation in my relationship with the Lord and not forgetting that he cares about everything that I do. Um, and then sometimes we think with athletics, well, does he really care about what I'm doing right now? Mm, mm, um, mm-hmm. so you have this, you know, battle going on, like, okay, we have this game and, um, well, you know, and I've gotten to the point now where I say, yes, he does care, but what he cares is 
how I carry myself and how I compete that I should run in such a way that I want to win. Mm. Mm. But, um, and that's okay, but the end result isn't, doesn't change how he sees me. In other words, he's not transactional, you know, and that's so, so much for, for me as a young man, things were transactional. Like if I performed mm. well, then I felt well, or yep. I felt good about myself or, yep. or the people that I, you know, were coaching me or my dad or whoever, you know, if I played well, then he was pleased. So now I feel good, you know, and then if I didn't, well, I was down in the dumps. I was depressed. I was, yep. you, know, I, you know, I had many situations like that. I remember a golf tournament in high school where I shot, you know, the best score of my life and a guy tied me and then we went to a playoff and a, everybody thought I was going to win for sure in the, in the regulation, but the guy shot amazing back nine. He shot like 31 or mm. something crazy. Mm. So he tied me, and then I ended up losing the playoff. Mm. And I remember I couldn't get out of bed the next day. I wow. didn't. I didn't go to school, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, I blew yeah. it!" And um, so, I mean, it just—it's amazing um, when you're doing that for the wrong reasons. It's it's crazy. So yeah. the thing that we've done through FCA and some of the other things is that transformational coaching, where you know, um, you know, remembering that. God's going to love us no matter how we perform, but what he does expect, he, he, he expects us to pursue a relationship with him and to become who he wants us to be in every area of our life, including athletics. Yep. That, you know, I've given you a gift. I, I need you to become um, as good as you possibly can be. And that was one of the things I appreciate. John Wooden's, you know, he had a statement where he said, success is a peace of mind knowing um knowing that you did your best to become the best that you're capable of becoming. Mm -hmm. So, mm. um, so that was one that I, I've used a lot with, uh, basketball especially. Yeah. And I think, um, I think of the verse, uh, really. And when I teach on this verse, I tell people all of life is lived through the lens of this verse. And it's Proverbs thirteen twelve, where it says, um, a long, the second part of the verse is a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And the first part of the verse talks about when your hope is deferred, it makes your heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. A longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And when it comes to sports, I think of the old yeah. ABC, wide world of sports introduction, you know, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, right? Yeah. Um, it's just, it, it's just like, it just says it right there. And yet that, that truth uh, really applies to every area of life. When we're putting our hope somewhere and it doesn't happen, then we get angry or sad or depressed. But when that longing is fulfilled, then that brings this energy. And that's what the column talks about when it says that phrase, a tree of life. And so, and that is, that is absolutely true. It's all connected to those, those hormones running through our bodies, those drugs running through our bodies. Um, yeah. And so then the question comes, okay, so where are you putting your longing? Where are you putting your desires? And then it all comes back when you speak of 
uh, being prepared, you're talking about that relational connection, um, mm. which is it starts new every day, right? Every day, yeah. start it starts over. Why? Which is why it feels like a battle. It's like, wait, yesterday was such a good day. Why doesn't that just translate into to, <laughs> into today? Yeah, it's like, yeah. well, and thankfully the opposite is true. It's like, okay, yesterday was a really bad day, but today's a new today's a new day. We can start, we yeah. can start afresh today. So, so you, so you have have served as a teacher and a coach for for decades. Um, so with, with coaches, especially that are listening in, um, what are some ways that you have like learned through the years? Maybe what was, what was the journey, um, that you, as you have seen this, you have helped your students look beyond the, um, assumed goal of winning, um, and, (coughs) helped them see their sport and their athleticism in the lens of relationship with God and relationship with our team members and relationship with the opposite, uh, the opponent, you know? Um, yeah. How, how, uh, how have you learned to help them navigate that? Well, I think, um, the biggest things I've been able to do as I've grown as a coach and as I've experienced, you know, the gambit of personalities, you know, coaching both boys, girls, men, women. Um, it's, it's amazing that we're all, um, we're all so different and each one needs something different. But, um, the relationship piece has always been to me the most powerful in that I have found that my words can bring life, you know, so I was going to direct myself to a couple of scriptures that I use often with my players. But one is, um, as you think in your heart, so are you. And also out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Um, I just believe so strongly that our words can build up or they can tear down. That, you know, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And also, you know, victory and defeat are also in the power of our tongue. Hmm. You know, when we're talking about going through anything. So I um, have been very, very intentional and seeing what's good in each and every player that I've had Mm. and seeing what needs improvement and seeing, you know, that each person, I can't go about it the same way that each person as an individual, um, some will just need that gentleness, you know, talk about the fruits of the spirit. Some will just need, um, patience. Some will need kindness. Um, and all of them need self-control, you know, that they need to see that in me, that I really do love them and I care about them no matter how they perform. So I think uh, over the years I've uh, really tried to connect so that I know each person in a deep way, that I know that this person needs me to be gentle. This mm. person, I can talk to them mm. with a little <clears throat> stronger voice and that will... 
hmm. push them to be better. And so it's like a amazing gift. I think um, God has given me to be able to see the hearts of people after a short period of time of being with them okay. and being able to tell what will make this person perform at his highest level. And also um, to let them know that, you know, I'll always love them and that God loves them um, unconditionally and no matter how they perform or, or what happens in our game. But, you know, so that's been the, the transformation and the journey because it wasn't always that way. I mean, I remember losing the first time I brought my golf team to the state state championships and we had a real chance to win um, the state championship the second day and we got beat um, on the back nine basically the last day and um, I still remember <laughs> really fighting depression and mm. like feeling like I failed or something like that and it's amazing how even as a coach with your players, you know, you, you experience things and you get to certain levels. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So you're currently, uh, you're currently coaching, um, some sports at a Christian university, but your career of teaching that you are now retired from was decades of public school and specifically high school. So, um, what are some ways you you had to walk that line, knowing you were in a public school, but knowing you were wanting to influence these student athletes in a way that you knew was coming out of your relationship with God? How did you how did you navigate that tension in a public school? Um, well, the biggest thing was I fostered good relationships with the principals, the people in the office, um, my athletic director, the different people that um, I made sure that I did everything that was expected of me and more. Mm. Um, and then to make sure that we met as a group of men, as coaches, Christian coaches, it was amazing uh, in Forest Lake we had you know, 10 guys, sometimes 12 that would come to these meetings. And, um, you know, God had his hand on, on that so much. It was amazing how you know, we just found favor with the administrators and with the principal and the different people. And I mean, literally the principal would come to us for advice and would ask us things about what we thought about important decisions. And it was all, I think a spirit led thing that he saw that the Lord in us and he knew that he trusted us. And so we, we ran our FCA meetings right on campus and, um, I would often feel led to pray for kids in the hallways or in hmm. my classroom. Wow. Um, so, so you, you I mean, definitely had I, favor going on there then. Yes. You know, I wasn't, I guess, silly about it. I mean, like just blatantly, you know, I'm going to do this whether you like it or not. Yeah. You know, I, I really felt like when the Holy Spirit would lead me to say, hey, you know, I want you to stay after class or I want, you know, I need to talk to you or, 
Um, I always felt like it was God who was leading that. And um, I think I found a lot of favor, too, with the kids and the community. Um, it was a blessing and an honor, you know, the way that the community treated me and the parents treated me. Mm. And, um, yeah, it was it was a great or a great time. Because a lot of people ask me, you know, why did you stay up there? Why, mm-hmm. why didn't you pursue being a, a head coach in basketball? Or why didn't you pursue being a head coach in football or baseball? Or, you know, and I was like, well, I really feel like God called me to Forest Lake. Mm. Um, so there was, you know, um, many times or opportunities that I could have moved someplace else or gone someplace else and chased after a dream of this, that, or the other thing. But, um, it was more about God saying, be faithful where I've called you to be. Yeah. And everything that you've just been sharing, again, points back to relationship. Relationships, the purpose of life, even your, even your understanding that for you to be effective in relationship with your students um, and your student athletes, that meant fostering healthy relationship with the leaders in your, in your school, the administrators, the other teachers, the other coaches, and then how that um, fed into relationship with the families of the students and the student athletes. Um, and I really just, it always keeps coming back to that, fostering those, fostering those relationships and prioritizing relationship um, just day in and day out. Amen. So are you saying that, that you're convinced that, 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 that we can do it? We can, we can have the world of sports <laughs> as a part of our, of our relationship with God. And that, and that can be a, a positive, fruitful, um, and effective way at, um, mentoring and, and, and discipling and, and influencing these, these young people? Well, it, it absolutely can. And um, now being at Bethel with the, the freedom to just be able to pray with kids immediately or to share the word every day or to, you know, do those kinds of things, it's been amazingly, um, I don't want to say simple, but it's been easier um, yeah. to you know, prepare and, you know, um, in the public setting, you know, sometimes I would, you know, say, really, is this you, Lord, is this what you want me to say? You know, um, but you know, he did, he protected me. And, um, as I said, um, I say, yes, it can be a tremendous, but the flip side of it is it can be also a tremendous, um, idol, a tremendous, burden on people mm-hmm. um it's uh i mean the constant barrage of media and games and talk 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 you know about sports and i mean it just goes on and on and yep. it just gets to be where some people you know with the gambling aspect and all the other things that go on it's mm. uh it's mm. also can it's, it also can be a very dark place um, just so, like a lot of other things that God created that are great, that are good, um, there's also the opposite side, the, the dark side of just about everything. Yeah, that's crazy to think about, John, 
Man, I love your perspective on um, everything you've shared. And well, we've reached that point in the episode, John, where we bring on our unofficial member of the podcast, if that's okay. So, Billy Bob, you're on with John Buck. <laughs> oh, boy. I was I'm, just looking forward to beating Billy Bob. I'm on with. With John Buck, is this is this the John Buck, the world famous John Buck? <laughs> I I'm a legend in my own mind, Billy Bob. Oh, me too, <laughs> me too, man! It is so good to talk to you. I've been listening in, and I just love everything you have to say. I mean, it's a challenge what you're talking about. It's a it's a challenge. I know, I know. I mean, you know, I'm an athlete in my own right, you know, and uh, I face those same challenges. I know, I know the battle. I know the battle, and I just love. Love hearing you talk about it and, and the good that can come out of it. You know, I mean, I know, I'm sure you remember that one time that we played golf together. You know, that was a that was a great day. That was a great day, and I was, you know, I I, I was having a good day. I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. You know, the first hole, you know, it was a it was a par four. You know, and I got an eight. I got a snowman. And I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be a good day. I got an eight on the first hole. This is going to be a good day. And then the next hole was a par, 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 uh, par five. And I got, um, I got a ten on that one. I'm like, oh, man, this is a good day. I might have the best score of my life. And then, and then we came to that par three over the water there. Remember that, John? Came to that par three. And I'm like, I'm having the game. I know it's only the third hole, but I'm having the game of my life. And then, and then after that, after that eight, and after after that ten on that on that part three, I got a thirteen. And oh man, that that killed my score. That hole right there killed my score. It was over. It was downhill from there. I went from the. I went from what I thought was going to be the best day, best game of my life to just average, to just average, you know, like 120 to 130 for the 18 holes. So I know that was kind of a long day for you. I think you shot like 74 or something. So that was kind of a long day for you. But man, just great, great, great memory with you, John. And I've just appreciated, you know, just hearing about you so much through, through your good friend, Todd and, and I just, and I know, I know the battle. I mean, I only threw three clubs in the lake that day, but I know the battle that comes. And I've grown. I can't say I've changed, but I've definitely grown. I've definitely grown. So I've definitely grown. So it's been so great talking to you, man. I can't wait till we get to play, play golf again together. And just keep up, keep up the good work. Keep up shining the light in the world of sports. Thank you, John. Thank you so much. Thanks, Billy Bob. It means a lot coming from you. And uh, yes, it did require a little bit of patience to play with you, Billy Bob. But yeah. you know that's what the Lord blessed me with. Lots of patience. Yeah. And, uh, Thank I just you. appreciate appreciate you, even though you did make that thirteen. I think it was a fourteen, actually. But you know, uh, thanks for that. You have tr- you have trouble counting as well sometimes. Thanks but for that's that. all. That's all right. So, John, earlier you said you weren't always as patient, and we were talking about it. I didn't know it was because you were stuck on the golf course with Billy Bob is the reason that you've developed <laughs> such amazing patience. But it makes <laughs> sense. I've had my own does. run-ins with him as well throughout life, and it takes yeah, it, it takes something special. So thanks for doing that, John. It was great. Yeah, thanks, John. Um, yeah. 
I remember hearing about that day and got a good got a good chuckle out of it. Well, this has been <laughs> such a blessing. This is such an important uh, conversation. Um, and uh, I, just, I know our listeners are going to be blessed, and specifically those who are athletes and coaches just taking the challenge of always centering our identity and our desires where they need to be centered in our relationship with God and how that translates into all the relationships in our lives around us. So thank you so much, my friend. Um, so glad you agreed to do this. And um, thank you, thank you, thank you. You have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you guys do the same. God Thanks, bless. Sean. See you. All right, bye. For resources and to find out more about Worship is Life, head to worshipislife.org. My name is John Buck, and you're listening to the Worship is Life podcast.